We continue with the Daily Sports Feed on ESPN Harrisonburg. I am Dave Rigger. A pleasure to have you along. Let's talk some JMU basketball with the beat writer for the Daily News Record. That is Shane Metlin. He joins me every week at this time. Hi, Shane. How are you, sir? Good. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing well. Christmas. Do you have all your shopping done? Uh, no, no. I mean, we were just talking off there about some of the other stuff for Christmas. You right. asked me that question. I was laughing, but yeah, I don't have that one. I, I don't have it all done yet. I'm working on it. You've got How a about little, you? a little bit. Uh, you know, a few more things. Few more things left, so we'll, we'll see how with our with in our business and our jobs, it's kind of hard sometimes to uh, to find time to do that. But we'll have a little bit of time, I guess, after after Wednesday. So we'll we'll see what happens. But you know, let's talk some JMU basketball, and we'll start with the men. Um, they wrap up their pre Christmas schedule on the road Wednesday against Coppin State, but uh, beat Long Island yesterday by a score of one fifteen to seventy nine. Terrell Strickland was back, and I guess that was the biggest storyline. He played against his dad. It was his first game of the season. He looked great in his, in his debut, didn't he? He did. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he really kind of, beyond the stat line, where, you know, eight points, eight assists, five steals, and what I think was like 15 minutes yep, or something was. like that. Like, yeah, I mean, that that's an incredible stat line, but I maybe mean, beyond that, you just kind of see um, – what he brings as far as like energy, just a different, um, different defensive look. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know if you noticed, like he came out there, um, and when he was on the court, they started doing some different things defensively. He saw Justin Amati kind of like another big, you know, do a little run and jump action where they're, you know, trapping the ball handler and stuff. And see, I think they just felt like they could bring out some different defensive looks with him there. And, um, just getting him more more acclimated into the rotation, I think, before they get the conference play is going to be pretty huge for the It's just his stat line, and the hit, stat line yesterday was great, but he's never going to score a ton of points. That's just not the type of player he is. But he, all the little things that he does just add to, to winning basketball. And, and that's what Coach Byington was talking to me on postgame yesterday. But, I mean, you saw that as a freshman. Last year we didn't get to see it a whole lot because he was injured, then missed the last 12 games or however many it was, uh, missed the first 11 games this year. But just even him being out there, it just it changes this team quite a bit, doesn't it, with everything that he does? It does, and he, he's been that way, yeah, since he was a freshman. Uh, you know, he set a CAA record for steals in his very first game. Um, at JMU, he's just been that kind of aggressive defender. Um, he's getting to be a better shooter than he was when he arrived. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, just really kind of a complete player. That um, yeah, it's kind of hard to even summarize everything he does. And maybe he didn't even realize how much they were missing him because mm-hmm. it's been so long since he really played played at full strength. You kind of forget how good he is defensively until you see him again because even last year toward the end, he wasn't 100%, so he probably wasn't quite himself, but he changes how they are defensively. Yeah, I mean, he just really, really gets after it. And then I think, you know, he he raises the level for other guys too. Mm-hmm. Other guys see him really going after it. And they know they're, they're competing for minutes and they're competing for um, quality playing time and just, you know, coaches' favor and all that. You know, he's out there, and then you see other guys diving headlong for loose balls and maybe doing something. Not that they weren't playing hard before, but maybe they're yeah. just going at it that much harder because you see another guy out there doing it. Okay, we're talking with Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. He is the JMU basketball beat writer for the paper. We'll talk some football as well here coming up as the Dukes got some commits over the weekend. But, you know, with 
with him back, Tyree Iannaccio back, again, their, their defensive numbers have been pretty good. But those two guys are really, really good on the basketball. And it, it can boy, it can just change their defense so much. It feels like Tyree's kind of getting into a rhythm now, too. He shot the ball a little wet better yesterday. I'm able to score 10 points, which is the most he's had in a game in his time at James Madison. But I, he's fun to watch defensively, too, with the, both those guys out there. And, and we saw that a little bit last year against Virginia and their, their upset against the Cavaliers. But um, I think he's kind of finding himself now a little bit after four games. Yeah, and I think, you know, those two guys out there, then kind of what I was saying before, you just allow everybody else to be that much more aggressive yeah. too. You know, talk Molson's also a really good on the ball defender. I mean, you don't really have to worry as much about foul trouble or anything else when everybody's kind of all getting 15 to 20 minutes out of your top 10 guys. Um, everybody can go that hard at it. I think, then you see what JMU was doing at the start of last season when they got off to such a hot start and they were really just, they were really just getting after teams and, um, you know, UVA, ODU, George Mason, none of those teams could put up points against JMU last year. And I think they have a chance to get kind of back to that where even, you know, you saw last night, a lot of it was garbage time, but they give up 79 points to a team. I think we'll probably start to see them buckle down and, you know, hold teams under 70 a lot more often. Yeah, no question. And again, it was well on their way before the last eight minutes or however, however long it was in that game yesterday. But again, we're talking with Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. And another guy that I think has taken a huge step this year is, is Julian Wooden. He's playing less minutes, but man, he's being efficient. He's shooting 59%. He's 9 of 16 on threes. was 2 for 2 yesterday. Um, he's averaging over 9 points per game in, in about 17 minutes. It just seems like he's changed his game a little bit. He's more efficient. Um, I know he didn't play well against Virginia in that game, but every every other game he's been pretty efficient. Have you Have you seen a different player in Julian this season? I think so. I think, um, you know, he's been the tallest guy on the team for, you know, basically since he's arrived. And I don't remember him ever posting up as much as he has this right. year. I mean, he's played down low. He's played the four. and But he's been more of a, like, face-the-basket kind of guy. You know, catch on the perimeter, go to the basket. He's really athletic. But I remember a couple times just yesterday, where he's catching it with his back to the basket on the block and he's making post moves and stuff. And that looks like a different look for him that, you know, maybe we've seen much of in his time. Because Eastern Kentucky went 7-for-7. Seven seven. Take out the UVA game, he was 0-for-4. But then he was 4-for-5 against Gallaudet, 6-for-7 against LIU. So 17 of 19 in the in those three games besides the UVA game. I mean, that's he's been so efficient here lately, just shooting the basketball well, shooting well from beyond the arc as well. So um, he seems like a different player right now. With, with what they're doing, playing about 15 to 20 minutes per game, all these guys, can, can they sustain that? Is that something that they can sustain throughout Sunbelt play? Yeah, I mean, I think so. If they're healthy, I think you're going to see them play, you know, basically in 11-man group. And, you know, maybe there'll be matchups where they want to, you know, cut it down a little bit and go with, you know, go with guys who, who make sense with the style of play. But, you know, they've really they've built up that kind of roster where they can play like this and this is what they want to do and they want to kind of try to, wear everybody down because they've got the number of guys that can play. One thing that, that concerns me a little bit is just the schedule. It, it Let's be honest, it hasn't been good. And even teams like LIU, Hampton, some Division One teams, they are not good this year. 
So there's been a lot of blowouts. A lot there's been 500 point games. There was a 97 point game. Um, they just the schedule has not really tested them. The Valpo game was good for them, I think, but they they did struggle in, in that one. Obviously UVA, UNC, we know what they are. Do you feel like they're tested as they go into Sunbelt play because they're not going to have these blowout games that they've had so frequently so far in the non-conference? I mean, yes and no. Yeah, they they've they haven't played a lot of close games, like you said. Um, you know, the Valpo game was one one that they didn't win. I mean, you know, frankly, yeah, they haven't won their close game, which is probably a little bit of a concern. And, you know, at some point in conference play, they're going to have to win some close games if they're going to get to where they want to be. Um, the also is kind of, I think, you know, the schedule is what it is. They've taken care of business against the teams they're supposed to take care of business against for the most part. Um, you know, I think back to when I first started covering this team, none of these games would have been gimme. I, I you know, <laughs> right. covered home losses from the Citadel and Coppin State and everything. Like, and to be completely dominating teams of that caliber is a different look that, you know, JMU fans were used to just a few years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to get tougher. And, you know, you, you hope that your non conference prepared you and, playing on the road against, you know, 15 to 20,000 fans in ACC arenas should help you. But, um, yeah, they that's probably the one big concern is that they haven't closed it out in any close games this year. Okay, we're talking with Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record, talking some JMU basketballs. Again, uh, they'll wrap up the pre-Christmas schedule this week, and then Sunbelt play begins um, on the 29th for both teams, women at home and the men on the road at Georgia State. Any, it seems like kind of Vado's kind of found his way a little bit. Do, do you like where this team is at, even though Mezzi Offram is, is still out right now? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, just going to get better with, uh, with Mezzi coming back. Uh, but, you know, Vado, this is, you know, what you come to expect from Vado. You know, he might have a game or two where he's off and uh, then come back with, you know, a few where he hits multiple threes and looks really good and, can kind of take over for a few minutes at a time. Um, but I think, you know, the big thing is that they're not completely relying on him to be yeah. the number one option on offense all the time. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do kind of like where they are. Um, in, like we were saying before, the fact that they're blowing the teams out, they should just absolutely be crushing. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good sign of where they are, that they're locked in and that they have the quality of depth to, to make a run when they get into the conference. Yeah, as you mentioned, when you, you when you covered them before, they wouldn't have been blowing these teams out. So um, let, let's be thankful that they are, and it's not the opposite right now. Duke's sit at 9-3 and three right now as they get set for Coppin State coming up on Wednesday. And, you know, as we look around the Sun Belt, um, I was starting to peek ahead and look ahead to, to Georgia State and, and Marshall as they've got those games coming up right after the Christmas Holiday um, right before New Year's, but Southern Miss is eleven and one. Louisiana's ten and one. Marshall's playing really good right now with almost the exact same team and a couple additions. Um, Coach D'Antoni has his team playing really well right now. But um, what do you what do you make overall of the Sun Belt? And again, we'll find out more once we get into conference play. It's hard to tell in the non-conference, but it seems like there's some really good teams. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really good league at the top right now. You know, JMU, Marshall, Southern Miss, Louisiana, like you mentioned. Um, yeah, I would expect Georgia State to get better and better as mm-hmm. the season goes along. Um, you know, starting out on the road at Georgia State and Marshall, 
is going to be a pretty big test. And if they get through that opening weekend, then I think, you know, they've already kind of taken a step towards, you know, winning that regular season championship because that's not a road swing. A lot of teams will win most games. Um, if they can do that, I think that's a good sign. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's really solid at the top. There's some there's some weak teams. I mean, UL, ULM, yeah. that could look a lot like, you know, Long Island last night. But, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's definitely gotten to be a better a better basketball league quite quickly with the additions of uh, James Marshall, O2, and kind of surprisingly Southern Miss mm-hmm. uh, to turn it around this quickly. They were they were awful last year. <laughs> I mean, that's... they were. They were. They, I mean, they picked up three big transfers, which is what you got to do now if you want to if you want to turn around if you want to keep your job for very long. And you know, those guys have all panned out. They're looking looking quite good. They are. Yeah, they're eleven and one right now. So uh, the Duke sit at nine and three. After the Coppin State game, hopefully 10-3, and three, and then they'll be on the road to open up conference play on the 29th at Georgia State, the 31st at Marshall. So it's going to be a good challenge, as Shane mentioned. That'll be a tough swing to open up conference play. So we'll see how that all pans out. JMU women have won five in a row. They sit at 8-2 and two right now. They, they just keep finding ways, don't they? It's not the prettiest basketball in the world, but they're finding ways. And um, kind of the opposite of the men, they're playing some close games, and they're finding ways to win those. So that's a good sign. Yeah, and it's also kind of the opposite of what they did last year, where they <laughs> yeah. lost a lot of close games, or they didn't hang on to leads in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, they, they didn't hang on to a lead down in Hampton the other day, but um, it looked like they were going to blow them out for a while, and then uh, Hampton was red hot in the third quarter and came back and took the lead. But again, JMU just you know closed it out. They did what they needed to do, and it's multiple people making plays down the stretch now, which I think is. Probably the big key is last year it was, you know, we're going to give the ball to Kiki, and if she gets a basket, then we might win. And if she mm-hmm. doesn't, then we probably won't, you know, if you're Sean O'Regan. And, you know, now it's, you know, Claire Neff getting rebounds, or they brought back Anna Goodman, who had a really good game and, uh, you know, made some plays late. Uh, Peyton McDaniel and just mul- multiple players have stepped up to make those game-winning plays late in, the, late, late in the fourth quarter this year. You know, and one thing they've done, too, is they've they've won without Kiki playing great. I mean, she was so good early. But, I mean, she's been 17 or less in her last four games. She had 10 against Hampton, 7 against uh, Maryland Eastern Shore, and they're finding ways to do it without her. I think that's a good sign because she's going to be fine, and it's not like she's playing bad, but they're finding ways where she doesn't have to go get you 20, 25, 30 points a game. That's a good sign for this team. Yeah, and you know, not to keep like harping on last year where they you know didn't win, but you know, you always kind of look back at that. And, you know, she, it was similar where you know she was playing at such a high level and scoring twenty points a game, and some teams come at her and double and triple team her, and you know, completely swarm her when she's got the ball in the lane. That you know they just didn't have anybody else really step up in those situations. But now they've got they've got other weapons. They're getting ready to add Kobe King Hawaii here, mm-hmm. um, you know, later this week and have yet another offensive weapon thrown in the mix. And, you know, I think it's just, I think they're building toward potentially peaking at the right time. If, if you can say that in December, but that's kind of <laughs> what it looks like so far. Well, and Coach O'Regan even said this during the media days that, that we had with him, even here locally and then in New Orleans, that, you know, 
we're going to be really good if Kiki scores 15 per game. She doesn't have to go score 25. And, and that's starting to kind of pan out right now. And, man, Anna Goodman was great in her in her debut, kind of like Terrell Strickland the other day for the Dukes. I mean, Anna Goodman was great on Saturday. That That's big to have her and then have Kozlova. Those two kind of play together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they've got a lot of depth in the mm-hmm. front court this year compared to, you know, last year, you know, Anna was the center, and then they were going with, you know, an undersized four and, you know, they didn't have very much depth inside. Now, yeah, you got two really solid centers with her and Kozlova and the two freshmen have both been contributing and, uh, Makai Tynes is healthy now and playing and, you know, he, he can throw a lot of different looks at, or he can go with a little bit, a little bit smaller lineup, not necessarily smaller because, you know, Claire Ness is mm-hmm. one, but you know, put more of a, you know, stretch for out there if you want to, and he can throw a little different looks in the in the post. Are are you seeing Claire and Peyton kind of more uh, more healthy even as they go? I know they they've had glimpses here and there, and Peyton's been pretty consistent here lately. But it seems like Claire now starting to kind of look like the 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 Claire we saw early last year. It seems like those two are really starting to become even healthier than what they've been. Yeah, and I think figuring out their roles too. Yeah. I mean, when you haven't played consistently for a while and then you're just thrown out back into a mix maybe it takes you a little long to figure out you know where you fit in and Peyton is you know doing her job with her scoring and shooting and handling the ball a little bit and Claire has come in and you know I think you know she was pretty highly regarded recruit she went to Clemson uh you know Sean O'Regan thought he was going to land her out of high school and then she went to Clemson and then pretty quickly changed her mind and came to JMU and you know I think people kind of thought okay well you know look at her she's going to be a star she's going to score 20 points a game or whatever and she's kind of found a different role and she's you know grabbing a lot of rebounds and you know she's not necessarily looking for her shot a ton um, as you know you could go back to her very first game at JMU when she you know became eligible as a mid-season transfer you know, she came in and, you know, made a bunch of threes and looked like looked like she was going to be an offensive star. And I think she's kind of starting to figure out that that doesn't necessarily have to be her role. And she's really, really starting to, you know, do the things that they need her to do to win. Well, how will this team, do you expect this team to be different when uh, Kobe king gets back into the mix and or gets into the mix, I guess, this week at some point? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, it's really... With it, her, it's all kind of, you know, word of mouth. And just it is, hearing about for sure. What she does. And, you know, I haven't seen her play that much, but if she, if she's the kind of offensive weapon that, you know, basically everybody who has seen her play says she is, then it's, I think that's got to take a ton of pressure off of Kiki, for one thing. Um, but then, yeah, you just have that many more players who can score. You can get up and down the court. You can, Sort of similar to the men, you know, run a bunch of different lineups in and maybe try to kind of just wear teams down as the season goes along. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch both these teams. Again, the women are 8-2, and two, the men are 9-3. and three. It's kind of what we expected them to be, and they'll close out the pre-Christmas schedule coming up this week. The men play Coppin State on the road in Baltimore on Wednesday. Women up in, in uh, at St. Joe's in Philadelphia, they've got a tournament coming up with Eastern Michigan tomorrow, and then they'll play another game coming up on Wednesday. So both teams could have 10 wins by Christmas and get set for conference play after that. So we'll see if that does happen coming up this week. Shane, thank you so much for your time as always. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Dave.